Jesus is about to face sin, capital S-I-N, head on. The cross is imminent. The first Lord's Supper is completed. The betrayer Judas has been announced and he got up and left the upper room. And the first Lord's Supper concluded with the bittersweet singing of the hymn, the hymn, the psalm, mostly the Hallel, which are praise songs. Now it was time to go back to Jesus' very special place of prayer. No one knew about this but the disciples. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives. Jesus was about to be charged with the felony of the sin of the world, everyone's sin. And the Jewish law had already proclaimed that an unblemished, unscathed, well lamb would be the sacrifice for sin. And now Jesus had made it perfectly clear to those eleven that he would become that sinless lamb and that he alone would die for the sin of the world. So those eleven men climbed down those steps from that upper room to the ground below and left for that walk to Gethsemane. And the Bible says, according to our scripture this morning, that the eleven Jesus said to those men, You sit here while I pray. And then what did he do? He took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, a short distance away to pray. And on the way to that special place of prayer, Jesus told these men that his soul was in agony, so much so that he was distressed and horrified. Matter of fact, he used the words in the Holman Christian Standard, I am swallowed up in sorrow, even to the point of death. Well, these men were with Jesus. And you know the story of what took place in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so here we are this morning as believers in the 21st century. We stand on the precipice of the empty tomb as we look out because Jesus has been victorious over death. The resurrection has taken place. So we're seeing all this from the perspective of the resurrection. And now we see Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is brought to His knees in prayer because of what? Sin. Dirty, filthy, sickening, evil, painful, distressing, agonizing sin. And right now, watch this. Jesus is alone. He's praying to His Father in heaven. And you can be sure that the Father in heaven is hearing every word from His one and only Son, Jesus. The bottom line is very simple, folks. Jesus came to die. He came into this world as the God-man for one reason, to die for our sin once and for all. Never to be repeated. Never would there ever be another Messiah or Jesus. All of it would take His death as the sinless Son of God on that cross for our sin. But you and I know that, don't we? We see that from the empty tomb. But what does God 
desire for you and me to learn as this morning we stand beside and with Jesus as He prays. On that holy night in Gethsemane, it became more than a garden where Jesus and His men spent some time. On that night, Gethsemane became a place where eternal business was transacted for the glory of God on behalf of you and me. So as we sit with Jesus while He prays, let me just show you seven things this morning about the Scripture. You know, as, as I preach, expository, we take it one verse at a time. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And I hope to show you some things in these few brief minutes perhaps you've never seen about Jesus in the garden. Here's the first one. The first one is found in verse 32, and here's the verse. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here and pray. The first of these that I want you to see is the priority of prayer and friends when it comes to understanding Jesus and what He did. The priority of prayer and friends. It's getting late on Thursday evening. Most likely, it's pretty close to 10 p.m., which, to be honest with you, for the Jewish culture, this was pretty, pretty late. It was customary for them to stay awake late on Passover night to have conversations about God's redemption. So the disciples should have easily been able to stay awake and keep watch because they had probably stayed up late nearly on every other Passover in their life. But now the Passover has been changed. It's the Lord's Supper. But according to Jewish law, that Lord's Supper had to be completed by midnight on Thursday. So Jesus and the eleven, they leave that upper room. They go to the Gethsemane. The name simply means wine press, or oil press, should we say, for the olive trees. And incidentally, I went back and looked at this in olive trees. You know, olive trees are one of the oldest living trees. Some of them today date back, who are, that are alive today, almost 1,000 years. Can you imagine? And then there are some results in scientific study that even some of those trees, those, those olive trees in Gethsemane today, could have found their roots. In the time of Jesus. Wow. What was Jesus' priority? First thing he did when he left the upper room was what? He went to his private place of prayer. And he took those 11 men with him. They remain alongside of Jesus. And then Peter, James, and John go with him. Before he literally falls on his knees in agonizing prayer. You see, did you ever notice something in Scripture? You will never find Jesus praying with anyone. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? He told all he told those eight disciples, you sit over here and pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John, and they walked with him over here. And he said to those men, you sit here and pray. And what does the Scripture say Jesus did? And he went on to pray. Throughout Scripture, you'll never see Jesus praying with anyone. Have you ever wondered about that? Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus had a unique relationship to His Father in heaven. He was the Messiah. 
He was the sinless Son of God. He had a unique relationship. And then what is so incredible about this is we think no one can ever have that relationship. No one can have that Abba Pater, Abba, literally dad relationship as Jesus had with his father. But do you know what the Bible says? When you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, guess what? We became a what? An heir. We became a son. So we could have that same relationship through Jesus so if that happened now, as we look through the, the pinnacle or the precipice of the empty tomb, if that happened now and we were standing here, we have the same relationship. We can have that. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of what He did for the, on the cross for us. He abolished sin. He took care of it with His blood. And all that started from before the beginning of time in God's perfect plan of redemption. And the Scriptures say in John chapter 10, verse 30, the Father and I are one. The most mind-blowing thing for me and you to understand is Jesus Christ is full God and full man. Now, I'm telling you, folks, this old man can't understand that, can't figure it out. All the degrees in the world attached to the end of your name won't ever allow you to understand that till we stand before God. Then we're going to already know it because we'll be known even as all we've always been known. But isn't that incredible words to understand? Jesus' priority was to go to prayer. But he prayed at that moment before the cross, and he prays alone before the cross throughout Scripture. And after the cross and the resurrected tomb, he's back with his Father. But can you imagine, God has given you and me the privilege to be called sons of God. Now, when that really hits you, when you go home and chew that up and spit it out and let you think about it, you're going to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and start shouting. Because that's what it means. God has given us that kind of a relationship. Here's the second thing, though, about that whole situation. It's called the agony of perip, perilupos, or perilupos, or peripulos, however you want to say it in the Greek. But I've put it up here for you. Now, I did this to, to show you something, but I want you to see. The word in these verses, listen to the verses. He took Peter, James, and John with him. They began to be distressed and horrified. Those incredible words mean exactly what they say. Then in verse 34, he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow. Perilupas. Can you imagine being swallowed up in sorrow? Which means even almost dying. Dying to the point of death. And he told those men, remain here and stay awake. This is this word right here in Greek. Here it is in English. I just wanted you to see something because I want to show you something you may have read in Scripture that have no idea what they're talking about. Those of you who are mathematicians understand that that's a what? That's a pie. The second one is epsilon E. That's a row. It looks like a... Well, I don't quite know what it looks like. You just come up and whatever. This right here is called the iota. Now, that's an accent mark, okay? 
This is a lambda in the Greek. It's an L. This is a upsilon. Looks like a U. There's a pi. There's an O, an omicron in the Greek. And then when S is on the end of the word, it's put like this. If it's on inside a word, it's got a little tag right up here. But an S on the end of the word called a sigma is like this, perilupas. Now, what I want to show you something. The Bible says, For assuredly I say to you, in Matthew chapter 5, 18, Till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's all fulfilled. How many of you have ever heard of a jot and tittle in the Bible? Have you heard that? Okay. Well, if not, go back and read that scripture. Not one jot and one tittle. And I will tell you how the Greek people, this is incredible to me. Watch this. On the top of this Iota right here. Now, that's an accent mark. Without the accent mark, there is a little dot. Just and I can't hold it steady. But there is a little dot right there that you cannot see. That is called a jot. It is the smallest, smallest letter in the New Testament. I've put a jot on that screen. Can you find it? This is kind of like looking for who is it? What is it? Uh, Waldo, yeah. Look for Waldo. There, there's a jot on that screen. Anybody found it yet? I hit it good. It's the smallest. That's the jot. The tittle. In the Greek alphabet, we get to the one of the T. That's called a tall. T a u. And the T is made like this, like, like we make a small T. You come down and kind of curve it like a J, and then you cross it, not like we do our T, but almost at the very top. That little cross piece, it's, 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 it's real small. It's called a tittle. The Bible says that not one jot or one tittle will ever pass away. Why? Because it's real, folks. Because it's the will of God. Because it's God's Word. I don't know. When you, stuff like that intrigued me. Because when you see that and can put that in Scripture and understand what it's saying, then you can comprehend more of what the Bible is saying. And this word right here means so sorrowful unto death that you are, the grieving that you are experiencing is something that no man can understand. Jesus was going to have to be separated from God. Yes, God was about to forsake His Son. God wouldn't do that. You better go back and read the book. God did forsake His Son. Why? Because of one word. Hello? Sin. Sin can never get into heaven. As a result, Jesus knew what He was about to face. And there was an agony. There was this, this such... Harry Lupas, that only Jesus could know what he was experiencing. And that's what he comes into the Garden of Gethsemane with. Now, this is just a few, an hour or so after the Lord's Supper. This is not days. We're talking late on Thursday evening, probably somewhere around 10 p.m. or give or take. Because before midnight, the supper had to be eating. So he told the disciples, he said, okay, guys, you sit here while I pray. And he goes, Peter, James, and John, you sit here. And then Jesus goes, here's the third thing. The intimacy of crying out to daddy. The picture of Abba Pater 
in verses 35 and 36. Verse 35, then he went a little further to the ground and began to pray that if it be possible, his hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba Pater, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup. You see what the cup is now? The cup is everything. Sin. Take it from me. Nevertheless, what you want, I want. Wow. And he got on his face and he said, I bow parterre. When our Michael and Bethany, she's here, she can vouch for this. I remember both of them so many times, something would frighten them. One thing that used to frighten my son, now he has dogs this big and he works with police dogs. But little dogs this big used to scare him to death as a small child. And I can remember one coming after him one day, and y'all can vouch for me for this. Michael ran up the side of my leg all the way here and then stopped till he held on. And he held on to me and about popped my neck. He was so afraid. And what did he do? He was crying. And what words came out of his mouth? Daddy. Daddy. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in the garden. He's crying to Daddy. He's saying, Father, I want to do this, but I know I've got to. But my heart, can it, is there any other way? You know, can't we just figure out another way? I mean, this stuff is not going to be fun. This is going to be heavy. And then Jesus says, oh, Lord, whatever you want, I want. Your will to be done. Can you, kind of, can you see the intimacy of, of Jesus now? Crying out to his dad, Abba, Daddy. And God has given me and you that same privilege as a child of God to call out to him. In the fourth place, though, this morning, there was the heartbreak of disappointment, verse 37. The heartbreak of disappointment. Look at verse 37. Then he came and found them sleeping. And I want you to notice something about this that I want to show you. Simon, are you sleeping? He did not call him Petros, Peter. Peter was his new name, remember? Simon was his old, fleshy, earthly name. And Jesus looked specifically and called him, Simon, you're letting your flesh now overtake you. And he called him Simon. Jesus was disappointed with the disciples, especially with Peter, James, and John. They fell asleep. It was getting late, I know it. But they had done this before. They knew what it was about. But Jesus addressed Peter by his new name, not by his, by his old name, Simon. Didn't call him the rock here. Folks, you, that's very significant to see in this scripture. Because Jesus meant exactly what he said. Simon, your flesh has won. How many times does our flesh win? How many times does what we want to do win over what God really wants us to do? His will. Wow. Jesus was disappointed in those men. And then the fifth thing is found in verse 38. He says, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into, 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 uh, enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Simon. The spirit was willing, but Simon, the flesh, 
His flesh was weak. But I want you to notice the heart. That's why I call this literally the ministry of agape. Now, Jesus, folks, is about to go through the most horrendous passion. Any of, I mean, we can't even describe it. Movies have tried to portray it, and it's still so gross you can't even watch it sometimes. Folks, it's beyond anything we can ever imagine. But what was Jesus in particular? Who was Jesus more concerned about? Even in Gethsemane, he was more concerned about Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples. He was worried as to what would happen to them. He knew they would run away, and they did. He knew that Peter, the man who had just said and talked to him, was about to deny that he ever knew him. And here is Jesus, the God-man, on his face before God in the middle of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was separated even then by the trees and the road, so it was enclosed. It was Jesus' secret meeting place. This is where he went daily to pray. And what did Judas do? Judas betrayed Jesus because he told the guards where to find Jesus' secret meeting place. That's how the betrayal... You think they just showed up and found him there? No. Judas betrayed Jesus with the 30 pieces of silver, and he said to them, let me tell you where you'll find him. I know what he's going to do. He'll go to his secret meeting place. He'll go to Gethsemane. I know the exact place he goes to pray. He does it every day. We know exactly. We'll do the same ritual. That's what we've done all the time. You'll find him right there. And those guards later, as we'll see in this sermon series, come immediately and arrest him. Wow, folks. But... Jesus was concerned about those men. Wow. There's a sixth thing I want to tell you about this morning. It's called the perseverance in prayer. It's found in verse 39. The perseverance in prayer. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. Now, one time was strong enough for Jesus, but can you imagine? Now he goes away, and he goes back to that place of prayer in Gethsemane, and he says the same thing again. He, now, watch this. He prayed, but there was no specific answer from God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed to God and you just don't seem to get an answer? Billy Graham has just said through My Hope America, America, don't stop praying. Folks, don't stop praying. God will act. In his time. Jesus knew that. But at that moment, God did not answer that prayer. It didn't stop Jesus from praying. And then there's a seventh one found in verses 40 and 42. Listen, and he came again, verse 40, and found them sleeping because they could not get their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. I wouldn't either if I had fallen asleep. Then he came a third time, three different times, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, guys. The time has come. That word enough is not a, an exasperated enough. No, it's not that. It's enough. The time has come. Look, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Mo Did Jesus probably hear the guards coming? Was something in the far off distance? I believe so. And he knew it was about to happen. And then he said those words that we've had in recent sermons. He said, Agairo in the Greek, 
get up. It's the same word used in the resurrection. Get up, men. Resurrect. Get up. Go. See. Because the betrayer is at hand. I don't think there's any passage of Scripture that portrays the human side of Jesus more vividly than this text. And folks, it's real. It happened. He had a priority of prayer and friends. The agony of perilopas. The intimacy of crying out, Daddy. The heartbreak of disappointment. The ministry of agape. The perseverance of prayer. And then finally, the time of action. Something was about to happen. It did happen. And it was real. Let me close with this. A mother remembers taking her little four-year-old with her as they were about to see her daughter's first Easter play. And that mom decked out that little four-year-old in the most beautiful of all outfits with this cute little hat and the whole thing, and she was all excited. And so as the play started, she saw the actors come on stage, and she just screamed with excitement because she said, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. And at the beginning of the play, he was playing with the children on stage, and she wanted to know why she couldn't go up there and play with Jesus. And the mother's response to her little girl was simply, Honey, it's only a play. This is only an actor. This isn't real. Okay. But will you pick me up so that I can see Jesus and maybe Jesus will see me and he'll come play with me? Then during a scene of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers came barging into the play and yelling and screaming. And the mother says her daughter became so frightened that she turned her face away and buried it in her mother's chest and began to cry. And again, the mother tried to rationalize with her little four-year-old. It's okay, honey. This is only a play. These are only actors. It's not real. So she agreed to watch and then came that dreaded scene down the aisle of the church where they, Jesus comes dragging his cross. People are yelling and cursing him. This was just too much. She could, that little four-year-old could not bear to watch. And the mother held her daughter tightly. And she says, it's okay, honey. It's only a play. These are only actors. It isn't real. Next, the soldiers grabbed Jesus. They threw him against the cross. They picked up hammers, slammed. They screamed at the top of their lungs. And that little girl yelled, No, they're killing my Jesus! She cried so long that the mother had to take her out of the auditorium where the play and let her watch the rest of the play on the TV screens outside. But she would not be consoled until she could see that Jesus was alive again. So at the end of the play, she was determined to go up and see Jesus and have Him hold her in His arms and ensure her that He was alive. And she did just that. I think many people live every day and they say, you know, they're only actors. It's not real. It is real. And I hope this week, as you reread these passages, you will be with Jesus in the garden as He prays. And as that little four-year-old, we'll see just how real it is. All because of His love for you and me. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, wow, dying for our sin. And Lord, saying that seems so trivial. But Lord, we mean it from our hearts. and You know our heart. Thank you for what you did. And Father, just that word alone, that's the gospel. It changes lives. So Lord, you do your work in our life. Don't let us forget this this week. Let us relive and, and revisit the Scripture in Mark 14. And let us sit with you and watch the agony. The agony even unto death in the garden before you ever got to the rest of the Passion. And all because of your love for us. Lord, we don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But all of us in this house that know you as Savior and Lord, we praise you and we thank you and we cry out to you. Abba Pater, Abba Father, Daddy. And I pray for those that are not sure this morning that it can be made sure. Convict their hearts. I pray for those who've never made a public profession of faith. And Lord Jesus, that give us that opportunity this morning to introduce them to Jesus. Whatever needs to be done at this altar this morning, Father, you went to prayer. Teach us to do the same thing. Your will be done. We love you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Will you stand to your feet as we make this our altar of prayer, our altar of decisions? Daniel, Matthew, and Austin, you guys come, if you will, and be right here with us. Whatever's on your heart, I want you to come as we close this worship right now, as we sing together. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. I will go. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. Sing that again, would you? I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say